Hello and welcome to SAP Insights. In this podcast series, we'll be uncovering the market forces behind sustainable aviation fuel, also known as SAF. In this episode, we'll be discussing what an effective mandate looks like from a SAF supplier's perspective. SAF Insights is brought to you by Argus Media, which, as many of you know, is a leading independent provider of energy and commodity pricing information. My name is Beatrice O'Kelly, and I'm the SAF reporter for Europe here at Argus. With me today is Matthew Whitten, the Vice President of World Fuel Services. Hi, thanks, Beat. Yeah, uh, Matthew Whitten, Vice President, Land and Aviation Supply Europe. Thanks so much for joining me, Matt. It's so appreciated. And um, why don't we start with a summary of your SAP operations? Do you have any of your own SAP production and who, where do you mainly supply to? So World Fuel Services is uh, not specifically a producer of SAF, albeit we're always keen to, to speak with current or planned production facilities because we're, we like the idea of creating innovative solutions to any problem, but particularly in terms of expanding renewable and lower emission fuels and and energy offerings. An example of that is, again, although we don't consider ourselves a producer, actually back in May 2019, when there there weren't any uh, options available to us in terms of purchasing finished Jet A1 that had been produced using SAF, we were able to blend up some product ourselves, meeting the Jet A1 specification and deliver it into into Farnborough Airport for a specific sustainable event that they were undertaking in that month. Fair to say, whether we blend it up ourselves or we purchase product meeting Jet A1 spec, World Fuel is determined to assist our customers to uptake sustainable fuel and working with that large customer base across Europe. In terms of where we mainly supply to, we've got a number of mandated as well as voluntary markets that we sell into. And um, so we've got mandated product flows uh, agreed for Sweden and France. And we manage or fulfill our our mandated requirement on a a mass balance basis. So again, I'm sure um, everyone is well aware of what mass balance is, but just in case. In this scenario, this is where we would be delivering all of our mandated SAF fuel into one location in country, which enables us to fulfill our total requirement across the country. Uh, The idea of that is that it encourages the uptake of SAF because whilst we all know that that SAF attributes a higher value than the typical uh, fossil jet A1 at the moment, it means that we can be as efficient and environmentally responsible as possible in terms of delivering the product to market. Outside of those mandated markets, we have voluntary markets and and typically uh, the, the majority of our sales go into the UK and Germany. So we've worked with the MOD at Bryce Norton and we've got business partners at Farnborough who uh, we sell product into. And we've worked with Boeing uh, in Glasgow um, and that was towards the end of 2021 at COP26. And then outside of that in Germany, we, we've partnered up with Bremen Airport and, and Airbus. Typically, we, we find that at this moment in time, we have certainly our largest supplier across Europe is Neste. Uh, and we've just entered into a uh, an authorised distributor agreement with them. But we do have other smaller flows of products um, from other suppliers as well. Yes, I just saw the release of the uh, the Neste agreement. How exciting. I mean, we've spoken uh, previously on this podcast about the different types of SAF. There's loads of different ways of producing SAF now. There's lots of different pathways. I mean, what type of SAF do you work with mainly? Is it pre-blended when you buy it? And does it work exactly the same as jet fuel logistically? Yeah, absolutely. So outside of those relatively small events where we blend product ourselves, then the the product that we purchase 
is it tends to be uh, produced via the heifer pathway and yeah you're absolutely right so typically the neat saf is blend uh, there's roughly a blend of up to 40 percent by volume the remainder is fossil fuel and the the total blend has to fulfill the jet a1 specification which means therefore it can be moved like any other jet a1 that's produced from 100 fossil for example and can be moved through the supply chain via commingling of, of products at least technically anyway because whilst physically commingling the product is fine what we've found is that uh, and this is where we're gonna we'll start to come into things like legislation and the way that it, it affects the supply chain is that we've actually found that from a sort of taxation or customs perspective or and even from a um, uh, the airlines that we're selling to fulfilling schemes that they are part of uh, we actually need to maintain a segregated supply chain in certain situations particularly in voluntary markets it, it appears at the moment look it's, uh, in terms of the pathways themselves it's going to be fascinating to see how they evolve as a a wholesaler of, of products we're pretty ambivalent to to the pathway that's used although it seems that when we're speaking with suppliers that kind of idea of utopia is uh, is the power to liquid creation of uh, synthetic fuel uh, and the way it's been described to me is which i quite like is ultimately harnessing for example the wind power in scotland or, or the energy from the sun in the deserts around dubai to to produce a truly sort of synthetic aviation fuel. Yes, there's been loads of uh, discussion about synthetic fuels recently. I think uh, the European mandate might be increasing the proposal. So it's, um, anyway, I won't go too much into that, but it's been a big topic of conversation, really. It's definitely a growing, there's a lot of growing interest around that one. In terms of the European SAF market at the moment, I mean, do you see demand growing quickly and is there enough supply to cover that demand we've spoken about you know the growth of synthetic fuels now will we be able to will create enough fuel to supply the demand that's growing yeah i mean look this is a tricky one as it stands at the moment from my perspective demand far outweighs supply and and we feel the kind of frustration of our customers who they, they really want this product and that there's there aren't enough molecules of it it's also fair to say, it, it, again, it feels like there's this perception that there's the intent in the market, you know, all the way from ultimately the European Commission right the way through the supply chain to the end user. So it it, it does feel like there's movement there and, and certainly there are new uh, production facilities on the horizon that should should start to come into play. And then it's a question of does the demand continue to outstrip supply or not? Um, it will be interesting to see how, how that one plays out. For me, though, the, the, the sort of crux of, of encouraging producers is um, simplifying and, and unifying regulations, uh, which would create great certainty for producers who are looking to work out what their profit and loss will look like over a you know, significant period of time, 10, 15 years as a minimum, you'd have thought, which then in turn plays into the financial institutions who are quite happy to provide commercial debt but they're not really out to uh, to invest as an, an equity stakeholder from what I can see but what they need to be able to provide commercial debt is the confidence that the business will be will have longevity and it's only really with that those kind of simple unified regulations that businesses can start to plan in in, in my opinion anyway 
outside of, of those kind of legislations, then having certified mechanisms like mass balance that I've briefly spoken about earlier. But also I think there's a there's a probably a place in Europe to certify uh, book and claim as well. I mean, again, I, I hear it more and more with people that I, I speak to, but it, it would just give the ability for um, uh, for organisations outside of the airline industry and that airline supply chain to invest in this in that supply chain by purchasing the the uh, the green attributes that SAF provides. And I think ultimately, if we can do that, then there'll be more production facilities that are local to airports and storage facilities, which just means that we'll have more SAF availability um, and it will be as efficient and effective as possible. So it feels like the tide is turning in terms of uh, building up additional supply, but we kind of we do need that, that simple legislation if we want to encourage more and more producers. Yeah, really interesting. I mean, in terms of European demand, you know, we've mentioned it is mandate driven. You also mentioned there's some voluntary markets there. But in terms of the mandates, each mandate is different to make it even more complicated. And Norway has introdu- already introduced that 0.5% blending mandate, which will increase to 30% by 2030. France have set out a blending mandate to, that's supposedly come into force this year. And, you know, further support will come from the European Commission as well in, in the proposal for that SAF blending mandate too. And from a supplier's perspective, I mean, could you go into some detail with regards to how you abide to these different types of mandate, which type works better for a supplier, you know, the blending versus the other types? And yeah, what can be done to improve the the harmony, really, of the situation as it's quite, it seems quite difficult to when everything is saying something different? Absolutely. This is something that we've been sort of scratching our head at for a while now in terms of the the different approaches. And I I think the key is that actually is unifying, keeping it simple and unifying it. Ideally, a pan-European mandate would make things simple for everyone. But I mean, uh, uh, in terms of our physical presence within Europe in mandated markets, we've got presence across Norway, Sweden and France, but our physical presence uh, is across Sweden and France. Um, but they're, they're two great examples of, of a very different approach. Sweden has a percentage reduction greenhouse gas emissions requirement, whereas France has a volumetric requirement for uh, SAF blending. Frankly, uh, the, the way that World Fuel sets ourselves up is to be a nimble supplier. So w- we can handle either. It just seems to me that it would be simpler ultimately for the airline and therefore the end consumer of product if it was a, a one-stop shop. So it was one model, fits all on a pan-European basis, keep it simple so that it's effective really. I know that's quite a concise way of, of answering the question, but um, uh, I think uh, to go into more detail just m- makes it a more complicated discussion in general. I mean, it's for me, it's the crux of all of this is if you can start off with a very simple pan-European mandate everything else flows from that which includes producers coming to market financial institutions providing commercial debt and airlines getting the SAF that they want yes absolutely i think it it becomes very tricky when you try and compare the different types of mandate and everything but i think the crux of it is we need consistency you know whichever one we choose just you know make it consistent throughout europe and that'll probably make the situation much easier for suppliers. But thank you so much for the time, Matt. A really, really insightful conversation. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to tune in for other episodes in our series.
SAF Insights. And for more information on Argus's global coverage of sustainable aviation fuel, please visit argusmedia.com forward slash SAF. <laughs>